Red on Red. This week on the podcast, we're joined by Colm Cahalan, PR and social media man for Cork DIY music collective, Hausu.
Yankee with Lander and Shukra with Garaskophobia. Two memorable highlights of Cork's music scene from 2018. This is Red on Red, Cork's new music podcast, dropping every Wednesday evening via Cork's Red FM and redextra.ie. We're also available on Apple and Google Podcasts, Spotify and other podcasting apps. My name is Mike McGrath-Brien and this week we're joined over the blower by former UCC 98.3 presenter, so another radio nerd, and current Hausu PR slash social media man, Cullum Callan. Cullum, how's it going? Chagrin, you know yourself. Yeah, I do. Like, PR and social media man is kind of even a narrowing down of your role within the Hausu Records organisation. And, you know, we'll, we'll talk about that in just a little while. But first off, it's a busy summer for the boys of Hausu. We had a couple of lads from the label in, in the previous episode of the podcast, uh, playing acoustically live and talking about the listening parties and gigs that were happening at the time. And this summer, with a slate of singles and a couple of other appearances live around the country, it's a really busy time to be part of Hausu Records. Yeah, absolutely. And, like, it's actually been... It's been a lot of work to try and get the slate of events and singles and promo going. In that, like, we, we originally had this plan for doing eight weeks of singles consecutively every week. Yeah. We're kind of fading away from that plan, just kind of because we feel like we want to narrow down we're doing a bit more and focus on the best content we have to offer. Mm. But, like, we're really trying to make an impact and get ourselves noticed in a big way, perhaps more than before. Um, in terms of our presence around Cork, like, there's a fantastic music scene in Cork, and we're really blessed to be living in a time where other collectives are really taking the stage in a very huge way. Mm. I have, like, a lot of time and respect for what's going on with Teletext, what they managed to achieve. I was just at Wonder Gigs on Friday and it was yeah. just one of the best live experiences I've had in Cork just in terms of getting like huge tunes into a small room. And we haven't been doing much of that. And that's something we're trying to change. We're trying to do more live stuff. We're trying to focus more on the actual quality stuff that I think we're capable of. Look, we'll talk about that in a wee bit because I know that there's plenty to go into regarding uh, the activities of the Hausu roster. But let's dial it back a little bit. Uh, first of all, uh, welcome. This is your debut appearance on the podcast. And, you know, sometimes we like to kind of get into the earliest influences of, you know, a musician or music personality that, you know, hasn't really had the chance to kind of speak up for themselves in a public forum before. And, you know, you have obviously grown up around music. You have a very intimate understanding of how DIY music operates, you know, the, the tropes and tribulations, if you will, of independent music in Ireland. Maybe take us a little bit into your earliest musical influences and experiences uh, pertaining to your role as a public relations and social media person within Hausu. Yeah, of course. I was I was very lucky to kind of grow up in the like very early age of digital music. Now, my brothers were all pretty much like a good few years older than me, eight years at minimum. A lot of them would have been going to college uh, like when I was like very, very young. And they would have been doing things like swapping hard drives and like collecting vast arrays of stuff from LimeWire on college networks and all of that. And this very illegal trade of music is where I kind of first got to explore the wider world of what was out there. And it meant I was like exposed to a lot of eclectic um, ranges of things. I used to like just kind of sync my iPod at random to what had like built up on the family hard drive. And over time, like, that kind of gave me a lot of love and respect, not just for like 
music as a whole, but particularly a lot of what was going around Cork and a lot of what was big there at the time. I definitely think my first local love in music was probably same as a lot of people my age actually would have been going to see bands like Fred playing around local venues mm-hmm. in the city. Um, I think that they kind of were one of the first bands that really showed to me like the ability for someone in a place that feels as small as Cork to make something kind of bigger and something that worked on an international stage. Now I know they never made it as far as they'd hoped to, but to me growing up that was pretty huge. Um, and one of the things that I kind of came to was when I was like very kind of stuck in the middle of nowhere, I grew up in Dunmanway, a small town, kind of about an hour's drive away from the city. It's a very isolating environment and I kind of found a lot of, you know, solace and comfort in music, in the internet and in things like that. When I was uh, in transition year, I took some uh, work experience in UCC 98.3. So I actually worked there a little bit, got behind the boards before I even went to college. And in the intervening years, I ended up setting up like a little online radio stream that had an unusual number of followers based in Ballon College for some reason or other. And that was kind of where I started, like from long before I even went to college, like working as kind of a selector and trying to tell my own stories through presenting music to people. Uh, that obviously carried through college and now it's kind of brought me to an interesting other platform here with Hausu. It's interesting that you bring up storytelling because by the time you hit college, you have the idea that Cork Campus Radio or UCC 98.3 gives you the reins uh, to to go ahead with. To me, Tapes is really a beautiful example of the power of personalisation that, you know, campus or community media can grant to somebody. Um, You took stories, life stories that were sent to you and you did your best to take these kind of anonymous stories and engineer an hour long or a 90 minute long mixtape out of those with your kind of your interpretation of the stories and the experiences that have been kind of given to you. Maybe talk to us a little bit about the transition away from the stream that you had been doing and into you know a more traditional radio environment, albeit with the creative freedom that uh, 98.3 granted you. Yeah, of course. So I started doing like this very informal three-hour stream when I was still in school. And when I went to college, like one of the very first things I did was get back in touch with Kieran and say, I want to do a three-hour breakfast slot uh, to do a new music show. And I was told, no, you, you're not able to just jump in and like command that time. Like You have to figure out how to work with something. And I was actually placed on a show with a couple of people who I have kind of like seen go in different directions. One of them was actually Rory Zanoglo, still a pretty uh, prolific DJ around Cork's techno scene. Mm. And Kelly Doherty was also involved in that show that I was placed on. And it was kind of like my first kind of thing. I did the grind there for a bit, contributing little bits of track selections and anecdotes and working up with that. And then... In my second year in college, I had like the opportunity to say to Kieran, like I want to I want to pitch this three-hour music-focused breakfast show that runs on I think it was Thursday mornings the first year, mm. and just it's mostly focused on playing music, but it's like myself and a few of my friends. It's very informal. It's very relaxed. We take requests. We try and have some sort of rapport over texts with the people who are listening in, 
Uh, I mean, I'm still very good friends with a lot of people who I work with on that show. It's a really lovely basis for where I moved into later. And it really helped me and encouraged me to find new music and local music especially, just to have new stuff to play on that show. Uh, but one of the things that was very special about it, like I said, was its informality. And just the ability to kind of look at the listener count of like people who are tuned in online and see it hovering around like a small number, like six to maybe 14 at most. The magic. There's something that kind of feels intimate about that setting. And I think that there's this kind of sense of a community that forms around it from the people who send in text messages or like hang out in. We tried an online chat for one iteration of it. And that kind of idea of trying to connect to a very small number of people listening in was the kind of initial seed behind tapes of the project. Like, if we can connect to small audiences, why not take that a little further and perform this kind of thing around connecting with just one other person through it? Uh, with tapes, I had, like, a small number of people write in. Some of them were, like, instantly recognizable as friends. Some of them I'd never met before. One person actually came into the studio to hear the stories as they told and brought brownies. And that was, I think, kind of the cutest experience I had in college. It was just like um, this kind of mutual display of kindness. Uh, I really I really like space. And it's something that I want to revisit later, but I just haven't had the time or the resources to do something like that again since I left college, really. Who knows now with uh, these streams that you've been doing with Hausu uh, and its social media project that... You know, the ability to do so might not be too far away um, with a DIY setup. This kind of leads me to my next question. We've all been through the ringer uh, with student media over the last decade or so. There's a generation of media professionals, of full-time hobbyists and of various other um, evildoers that have kind of cut their teeth coming through college papers, coming through community radios and so on and so forth. And it just seems to me that like other forms of traditional media, uh, the rise of new media, the rise of social, etc., has you know, has been a lot more accessible to a generation growing up with it per se. Um, I suppose talk to us a little bit about what you think of the student media landscape in 2019, how it can adapt, how it has adapted, and kind of what lies ahead. Yeah, I I think uh, I think a good bit about student media uh, because not only was involved with. 98.3 FM, but I also uh, I also had a very formative experience working with Motley Magazine as well, the UCC Campus Magazine, and I think that both 98.3 FM and Motley kind of helped me to build a lot of skills that I don't want to say they feel outdated, but they feel out of sync with how like we're expected to believe that media should happen. Like, Motley had a very online presence, and every article that got published in the magazine went onto the internet and helped find an audience through the people who followed on social media. But it also had the beauty of having, like, an established presence on campus, of having a, of having a print run, of having satisfaction to see your actual words in print maybe for the first time ever. Um, and I think that that was... Uh, more important almost than teaching the like very heavy digital aspects of the magazine. I think that what, what, what campus media gives us is the ability to kind of push ourselves into the traditional media landscape 
work with print, work with uh, actual live radio and elements that kind of exist outside of the reach of just being on social media or something else. It's, I think, vital that we still have those opportunities because I think print remains more important than you think. Oh, yeah. The FM radio remains more important than you think. There's been a huge like surge towards these more traditional products, which, for example, District Magazine is doing huge bits up in Dublin. For instance, podcasting is now on the rise in a huge way yet again. I think that DDR in Dublin is a perfect example of a really tight community project that brings all of the people around it together. Mm. Uh, what Dublin Digital Radio has achieved in terms of community it's built, I don't think there's anything else like that in the world. And that's way more similar to the traditional, old-fashioned ways of distributing media than anything that's really new or digital or hard to catch up with. I think that campus media is a really interesting way to like synthesize learning all these like newfangled digital skills, but also to fundamentally understand the core foundations of what makes for a successful media project. I definitely think that um, I definitely think I wouldn't have stepped anywhere near anything like Halsu if I didn't have my time in both Motley and in Nigeria. When we come back, we'll talk a little bit more about community media, this time through the filter of DIY music, as well as your excursion into Hausu. But first, we're going to go back to some tunes. And Cullum, you've helped pick us a playlist of local and new music. Earlier on, we heard from Yankee and Shukra, and we have Jar Jar Jr. with Bobby's Lament. Um, Bobby's Lament is a really lovely, lovely tune from Jar Jar. I, I really think that Jar Jar Jr. is just one of the best producers we have in the field of Irish hip-hop. Everything that he makes is this really fantastic jazzy sound. We've been lucky enough to work with him on a remix he'll put out later in the year, and I think it's probably like one of the favourite things he's done with Hausu. He's taken a track that we've worked on and put it entirely in his own style, and I can't wait for people to hear that. I found Bobby's Lament actually while I was like hunting for a track of his to use on this show and found it actually came out on a much wider compilation record called Fear and Loathing and Beats mm. and I thought that these kind of community compilation projects are like hugely important. I was really happy to have stumbled upon this while preparing for this episode and I really recommend other people to check it out. Speaking of Hausu Records, we also have Actual Acid, one of the pillar projects of the Hausu project with single Apollo. Apollo is my favourite song that Hausu has ever released. And I think it actually, I when I did that, you know the Spotify wrapped thing of seeing what your like top played song of the last year is? Yeah. Uh, Apollo was my top song of last year. I listened to it constantly. Um, and I'm just really proud of Jack. And I think... If I was to introduce someone to Hausu and what we do and like the power or kind of weird half psychedelic bedroom pop that we're putting out, I think it's like the key song. I wanted to like not flood this week's playlist with just our own music. I wanted to give props to other cork legends that we surround ourselves with, but I just have to include this one. It's just too good. There are plenty more Cork City legends up and down the playlist this week, but first, this is Jar Jar Jr. with Bobby's Lament here on Red on Red.
Actual Acid with Apollo here on Red on Red. Apollo now available for streaming across all major streaming services via Houseu Records. This is Red on Red, still joined over the blower by Houseu Records PR and social man Colm Cahalan. And, you know, I, I keep referring to you as PR and social man when the fact of the matter is that you're a far more important piece of that operation than just handling yeah. PR or just handling social. Uh, for those that aren't familiar with Houseu Records, you can find them on Houseu Records across social media, as well as an earlier edition of this podcast, which was a special edition with some of the Houseu artists uh, in studio talking with us and playing music live in studio. Houseu is a DIY music collective based in Cork City with kind of branches operating in Dublin a little bit, uh, kind of specialising in hip-hop and indie-influenced bedroom pop, as you so politely put it earlier, uh, from some of Cork's most promising artists. Um, for those that aren't familiar with it, and for those of us that aren't mealy-mouthed radio presenters, maybe take us a little bit into how Houseu came together and what your experience was with it. So, when you go and you fill out like the distribution forms to get your music on Spotify. It asks you like, what's the name of the record label or the organization that puts it out? And in October of 2017, uh, Repeater put out their first EP and they just like, right, oh, we need to put something in this box. And they wrote Houseu Records. And that didn't mean anything for like a good few months. Like for a while it was just Lads and Repeater. But each of those lads, Hassan Baker, Jack Cargan and Drew Linehan, they were all kind of working on their own music at the time. And then like they were connected to other people like, of course, Matthew Cargan, Ghost King is Dead, uh, Tyke McNeely, uh, Arthur Valentine. And it kind of became clear over the while because everyone was working on each other's stuff. Everyone was helping out with production, playing instruments here and there that each of these kind of disparate projects all were already part of something kind of bigger. Uh, so it was about three or four days before Ghost Games Dead ZP, This Is Doubt, was about to come out. And I got added to a group chat uh, called How Sue, and everyone was like losing their minds. They're like, we've got this EP coming out. We don't know what to do to promote it. Uh, can you help us put together a press release? And I was like, yeah, sure, grand. And at the time, we were kind of lucky in that they were kind of siloing some bits and pieces of work. Emer Kylie designed a logo for it. Ty McNeely had like done some of the 
design work around it as well. And we were finally at the point where we had like this thing that was going to kind of bring everyone together. Uh, I listened to the this uh, this is sorry not this doubt uh, Sweet Boy was the first uh, Ghost Games LED. Mm. Uh, when Sweet Boy was coming out, I just kind of remember listening to it and thinking like there's something really special here. Uh, and I wrote that first press release, and it didn't go anywhere particularly massive, uh, but it landed on your own desk, Mike. And you helped to put that onto Nine or Nine. You wrote it up for the famously influential music website that that is. And it helped like push a couple of songs along on Spotify. It helped build a reputation. And then when it came to everyone else working, they're like, let's let's keep this going. Let's keep working with Colm and trying our best to organize and promote it. And a lot of that early stuff, some of it I still really love and adore to stay. Some of it we kind of look back on and think, we could have done things better, but it's always a constant learning process, and we're always refining our art. I've I've no history in the music industry. I'm not an insider. I don't have any connections or contacts. I haven't studied PR. I don't just happen to be Bono's son or something like that. <laughs> but like, that's just not how we work. Like, I'm just kind of someone who happens to like have a small bit of background knowledge but everyone pulls together and everyone really tries to make it work and also as a kind of like band of outcasts and outlaws putting together these tunes uh, has been working reasonably well so far better than I was going to have and I think that kind of speaks to um, the power that's in there with the internet and new ways of distribution new ways of recording music the accessibility to just do all this in your bedroom. It's all brand new and I think we're doing an alright job of it so far. You're doing a fantastic job at New Media and that's a beautiful seg actually to my next question. Like, there's no shortcut to getting digital media and PR right especially now where there's so many other voices representing so many other things and competition for not only you know audience attention but editorial attention uh, can be very very hot at times you, you just look at the explosion in hip hop and bedroom pop in Ireland just yeah. like it's really invigorating to be around on an artistic level uh, but sometimes it makes for a very kind of crowded media landscape where there are loads of different releases there's loads going on at any one time a joy to witness but just maybe talk about negotiating that landscape from the perspective of somebody coming at it, you know, brand new, somebody coming at it from the perspective of not having been involved in traditional media before and kind of learning the ropes of, you know, public relations, you know, almost from scratch in in, in a new environment. Talk to us a little bit about that and kind of, in as much as you're you're, you're comfortable in letting us in on things, quote unquote, talk to us a little bit about kind of how you strategize that or how much you can let us in on. It's it's ridiculous. It's a lot to try and learn very quickly and I don't think any of us actually really know what we're doing despite our best efforts to try. Mm. Like that's a, that's a very bleak way of starting it but like I spoke to someone just this weekend who told me that Spotify's editorial desk gets 3,000 songs every day. And trying to stand out among that is not just a case of having a really fantastic song or having a really fantastic press release. Some of it will inevitably come down to luck when the numbers get that big. And that kind of sucks. And it's really kind of 
difficult to look at all the things and I think like, oh, is this release failing because we didn't get like a feature on this blog or this radio show or this playlist that we wanted to. But it's like really important to focus on there is this enormous scale of music that's being made now. And I think it's like, it's a beautiful thing. We have these booming scenes. We have new people who are interested in making music and the tools are there for, to allow them to do that for the first time. I even pirated a copy of Ableton last night. It's all going that way. And the way that the media works, it's, it's gonna have to scale up to that. And if you're just someone in your room, it can be really difficult to like deal with that kind of a landscape. Uh, it took me a lot of research and a lot of my time to kind of build up lists of like my first mailing list with like a hundred people on it, um, like the blogs that we really wanted to get on, um, like whittling down our press releases from these like very unwieldy emails to our kind of new package where like you get a short email and it's like a link to the full info pack somewhere else. All that kind of stuff took a lot of time for us. And after all of that, what we kind of learned is there is no substitute for old-fashioned networking. There is no substitute from reaching out personally to people who you think can help you building a community, getting to know other people, hearing their stories, all of that. You can put in as many hours as you want building like a mailing list of every obscure radio presenter in the Midlands, or you can just like, you know, look at the people you admire, look at where you get your music, figure out if they've written anything about how they like to receive music or what their tips and tricks are. Uh, Nine's document on how to write a press release, how to reach out to the press for the first time is really good. He's put together a really lovely set of resources on that. Uh, going to uh, events like the panel on um, the future radio in Ireland that Imro put on for last year's Choice Music Prize. That was hugely informative to me. Talking to Sinead Troy from ESCA, um, talking to uh, Nyler Nine and Lou Sharkey and other people at like gigs whenever I'd see them. All of that really added up to me and it really kind of helped me get in a position where we're not going to reach everyone in the world with this song or we're not going to get on like the biggest playlists in the world and that's okay. But we have people out there who are actually like hyped to hear our music and really are actually rooting for us. Uh, Remy Connolly's blog, Remy was a real OG to us. He was one of the first people to like write about us, really root for us, back up a lot of our music. And like he would like write to me off the record and talk about how happy he was to do it. And unfortunately his blog has now kind of bitten the dust in this like difficult as supported like wild west that is the modern internet um so yeah it's tough but there is a way through it and that way through it is and as cheesy as it is to say that way is community and i think that what we're trying to do with house do is build methods and build community and build up not just an audience of creators and artists and the general public and feasible to our gigs but it's really kind of us against the neoliberal Silicon Valley hell that's out there and I think we're going to win I think he will but it's going to be a difficult uphill battle you know outside of a community bubble for a lot of us because again you mentioned there that the ad supported model is falling apart quite frankly and Remy 
is not the only publication that's gone by the wayside in the last couple of months. You know, we could be here forever talking about the various columns that have been cancelled, uh, the, the, the focus being taken off of new music in certain mainstream publications, as well as the closure of certain, you know, free sheet print outlets in the locality. Um, it's, it's an interesting question. You know, very recently we've had the campaign for This Ain't No Disco uh, to get council funding being thwarted, but uh, thankfully they've managed to build themselves a very healthy Patreon presence. Likewise, you talk about Dublin Digital Radio, a community that not only has done fantastic things, but it's also a community that you've been part of on a tech level, uh, as well as Nylor9.com, which, full disclosure, as mentioned earlier, that I'm a Southern correspondent for. All of these platforms that have been building for various amount of years online with a very fringe audience are now starting to look at sustainability in a serious fashion. Um via Patreon and via other uh, opportunities to do so. Uh, maybe talk to us a little bit about, I suppose, how we're going to overcome the media apocalypse, so to speak, um, and and also where crowdfunding and greater interactivity with a readership kind of helps foster new relationships and new loyalties with prospective readers. Yeah, um, I think that, like, it's something we're still figuring out as we go along. Like... Mm-hmm. I talked to Ross from Patreon Records a while back and he really wanted to like talk about the idea of us building the technology ourselves to divest entirely from Spotify, build our own little streaming service, like with a focus on buying the music if you like it and you want to put it in your own playlist and stuff like that. And I haven't really like gone into the effort of analysing what it would take to build that world. But we're all kind of like looking at new things on the radar. Uh, I think that, you know, Patreon has really given us a like light to look forward to. I think that the like organizations that have taken success with it, people like Dublin Digital Radio, have like really shown that it's possible to survive without relying on the old ad model, without kind of ultimately selling out to Spotify and trying to find a brand partnership there um, but I think that there's, um, there's still a lot to do and I think that again I'm going to say this over and over like one thing that we did really bad at How To is putting on events and having a physical presence and just doing the really basic things like we've been kind of spending a lot of our time and energies into conquering distribution and spotify and the new media landscape and all that kind of stuff Mm -hmm. and i think from here from this standpoint from the 16th of july 2019 that's a mistake I think that we should have just been doing more of our efforts to build up our community in Cork and do the most that we can with putting on good events regularly, working with other bands in the area, putting on shows, selling merch, all of that. Uh, I'd been thinking this for a while, and what really kind of sold me on we've been doing this wrong the whole time was visiting Cork again last weekend, arriving in early on a Friday night and heading to the Teletex Records gig, where they had... I think. Uh, I don't know if they even have any acts of their own or if they were just kind of... Yeah, there's a roster uh, there now. ...correlating trends and booking acts that they knew their audience would want to see. But they had the whole thing down to a T. It felt like such an important community event. They put on such fantastic music. The entire crowd was completely bought into it. Like, they had their merch for sale. And they also would just, like, give out, like, chocolate oranges at the gig and stuff like that. It's a genius It was, like, this really nice community thing. 
and it's really offline, it's really traditional. But that's going to make them more money than our Spotify accounts are ever going to do. That's breaking, making them more sustainable. That's giving them more of a footing to keep building for the future. And like I said, I think Haosu has neglected its responsibility to exist in the real world and do something that connects with people in a local audience. I'm kind of like always worried that, especially with me being in Dublin and me being the person who writes most of the Haosu things on Twitter, Instagram, etc., that like people might see us as like distant or not wanting to collaborate. But the fact is, like I would move back to Cork in a heartbeat if jobs were there for me. Mm-hmm. I love the city to the core, and I think its music scene and the sort of things that we can do with it are just unparalleled. And like again, it's about paying tribute to Cork City legends. It really um, is. Which I hope my playlist makes a small step towards doing. Um, but yeah, uh, it's it's tough. But I do think new tools like Patreon and just refocusing on our roots and just doing like the full DIY stack of events, merchandising, supporting each other, having each other's backs, like that will bring us closer to sustainability than the challenges we face at the moment. When we come back, we'll talk a little bit further about those first steps into a more in-person live arena with upcoming events throughout the month of July and August in and around Cork City and County. But first, we're going to go back to some more tunes. Uh, You spoke earlier of having shared microphone time on 98.3 with Kelly and her latest single, Under the Gadget and the Cloud moniker, has has really kind of touched a lot of hearts and playlists uh, around Irish music at present. It's just such a bop. Keep You is a fantastic bop. I remember I was talking to Kelly once and she had always said that like the drums or something that she like couldn't get right about her music and she was never satisfied about. And when I when I heard like the drums break through in this song, it was it was a moment. Like not just because I connected to her personal arc of making music and how the song evolves and a lot of the ideas that she's had since her first album, now available on tape, Fort Evil Fruit on Bandcamp. Uh, but Limited also edition. just like I think that like it's just such a perfect song. The melodies, the atmosphere, the way that the whole thing builds up. It's it's just fantastic dance music as well as fantastic headphone music. I think it's one of the best songs that's come out of Cork in a long time and I'm like just really happy to see it out there. You also have the Altered Hours with Birds. The Altered Hours have just been like such a like North Star for us at Haosu. Everything that they've done with the gigs that they're putting on, their entire artistic direction, the sheer focus on quality, that's been a lot for us. I think it was like one of the lads from the Altered Hours that actually mastered the first repeater EP. Not entirely sure about that, but we've always like seen them as like where we want to go and what we want to be doing. Um, and like I think there's like a good rapport there. I think that looking at how they've been playing successful gigs in Cork, uh, there's tickets on sale for a new one, I believe. I hope to even come down for it. There is September in yeah, Lebanon. I think they've just kind of shown us a lot of what it is to be successful while still making fantastic art here in Cork. And as well as that, like there's a whole parallel there. I think that members of the Ultra Hours have had like 98.3 FM radio shows and stuff like that in the past. So it like connects to, I guess, that same synthesis of all of our uh, ideas about music. So yeah, I really look up to them. And what we'll hear from the Ultra Hours in just a little bit. But first, this is Gadget and the Cloud with Keep You here 
on Red on Red.
Altered Hours with Birds here on Red on Red, still joined over the phone by Houseu Records co-organiser, PR, social media, catalyst man uh, Colm Cahalan. Colm, before the jump, we were talking a little bit about Houseu, maybe you know, your feelings on the collective needing to expand more into the real life headspaces of gig goers and of music lovers in general uh, across Ireland's DIY scene and, you know, you're starting to take a lot of those kind of tentative steps towards that over the coming weeks. You've got a pair of events coming up uh, in Mallow County Cork for Mallow Arts Festival next weekend. That is not this weekend, but the weekend after next. Uh, as well as a big showcase happening at Cypress Avenue on August the 1st. But before we get chatting about that, um, this all happens within the framework of your summer series of singles that you were talking about at the top of the show. Maybe bring us through the upcoming slates of releases and what it means for House Who Records at this juncture. Yeah, absolutely. So the summer series was something that we came up with to kind of announce a change in direction for what we're trying to do with Haosu. Um, Like, we have a lot of these, like, throwaway tracks or things that we've recorded a while ago that we're proud of, but represent the things that we're doing before we move into or bigger projects, the things that are going to take us more time and the things that we have to step back and reflect about. Um, for instance, the first one of those songs was Arthur Valentine's 2018. And 2018 or 2018 or however you want to pronounce it, was a song that was like, they started writing that back in 2017 uh, in Montauk, New York. Uh, then came back to Ireland, there's like drafts of that that were recorded on iPhones and in home studios. And 2018 was our first time doing a proper full studio professional song. It was the first time that we had actual live drums on the record, it's hard to believe. Uh, we have like brass on it, we work with some really fantastic people on it. And it represents a huge kind of step in a different way for the collective. It doesn't sound like a lot of the other songs that we have, like, it's a very kind of folksy thing. It's I think it's radio-ready, honestly. If you're a radio host listening to this, consider playing 2018 by Arthur Valentine. But yeah, it's, um, it's something that we think kind of announces a whole other sort of direction for us as a collective and for the project. It's the first time that like we've mixed something with so many tracks on it from audio from so many different sources. In terms of like who we actually reached out to and how we did press for it, it's kind of something that stands out a bit on its own because I actually wanted uh, Arthur Valentine himself to take a lot of that like initial load of contacting reporters and getting more into the headspace of me teaching the skills that I've kind of built up to everyone else and making it more sustainable again by making sure that if I get hit by a bus, how soon still is on. Um, so the next track in that series then is uh, going to be Boy Toy and that's a track that we kind of recorded last summer it's kind of a very summery jammy track it's from Automatic Blue's kind of long list of pop songs that he'd been like hacking away at and refining his craft and it's got this like really nice interplay between him 
and Matthew Corrigan, Gold King of Dead. Uh, I think it's a lovely song and so on. But with Automatic Blue, with that project, we took a lot of time going through different iterations and versions of what he was going to be doing. And for ages, we had like hoped to have this album of his called Junk. And that was originally an EP that was called Junk, but he kept writing more and more good tunes for it and kind of got bloated. And then we mastered the whole thing as an album. And then we kind of stopped and thought, oh, but what if we did this one and we did that with it? And releasing Boy Toy as its own separate thing kind of se- uh, separated out from like a more streamlined, a more solid project we have coming up. Like we love the song, we want it released, we want people to hear it, but we're taking a lot of time to reflect on what Automatic Blue does next. There'll be a project from him this year, there'll be a, another single that we, we think is very special and that we want out in the world. And then like in 2020, we actually have a slate of songs that are almost ready for the uh, band as well. But we're taking a step back. We're like we're putting out the song to kind of announce that, like, we're going somewhere else with Automatic Blue, and we just want to leave this like gift uh, while we're on our way. Um, we're going to put out a track by Ghosting Is Dead in this release series. I haven't sent out much press on it, and I'm kind of holding that card kind of close to my chest. Uh, we're going to have the first single from Jack Corrigan's second solo release. Boredom's 400. His first um, EP, Boredom's 500, like I said, was uh, a very formative early thing for us. It was <laughs> our first time kind of really doing this with any sort of a system. I think that I could have done a lot of things there with the press, and I think that Jack is a very like wonderful artist. So I included his track Apollo on the show to kind of try and highlight that, and I think he should be up there with the Cork City legends I spent so long talking about. But he's going to be putting out a project this year, and I've been kind of even working with him a little bit on the visual aspects of that and trying to find a voice for it. And we're going to try and put out the first single for that sooner or later. And then the final thing that we hope to release in this summer series is a debut single from an artist that we've been working with for a long time but actually ha- has not put out a solo project with Hasu yet. And that's uh, Hassan Baker's uh, Project Mothra. And it's going to be our first time kind of stepping into the Irish hip-hop scene, interacting with that as a whole. It's kind of our first step into more beast-driven production and working in that kind of environment. Um, and I think that this track that we're going to put out from him, which is called Sharazat, represents, again, our first step towards something bigger. It's the first in a four-track series of releases that all have like roots in ancient mythology and using those stories to tell parallels to contemporary issues that we all face. And it's all kind of like very high concept and very ambitious. And I think that we wanted to put that out in the summer series and kind of again announce we're trying something new we're trying more ambitious things even yet and we want to put all of our artists up there and put them on that platform uh so there's a kind of the plan is five singles and like i said originally we were planning for eight but i think that it made sense to kind of strip it down and Mm -hmm. make sure that each of these singles gets the spotlight in its own way and 
Um, we are actually going to take a break after this Friday's one, which is um, Boy Toy by Automatic Blue featuring Ghost King of Dead. We're going to take a break the following week to give time for the Friday gig, which is the uh, Mallow Arts Festival gig. Yeah. And that's kind of special as well. It's our first time doing like a fully solo performance by Matthew Corrigan performing Ghost King of Dead stuff in different versions and kind of seeing where that project goes when the band's removed from it. I'm excited to hear stuff from that. Uh, it's also uh, the first time that we're kind of working with um, local organizations and putting on something in kind of a setting like the Mallow Arts Festival. It's something we'd love to do more of. Um, I would hope that if there's like anyone listening involved in like little community projects like Say the South Trans Safe Harbor Festival, email me please. But um, we are kind of doing all of that. And then finally, and I know I'm rambling about all the stuff we're doing. Not at all. There is August the 1st in Cypress Avenue. Um, Cypress Avenue reached out to us. It was their idea for uh, us to work with them on this project, which is putting on a full slate of our own work. Um, Four of our acts, two full bands, um, me uh, for the, like the first time in Cork performing like live visual setup for actual acid and stuff like that. It's um, it's a lot, but we've really even just from like the first few weeks of working on it, we've actually learned a lot about uh, ourselves and what we're capable of doing with it. Um, I think we'll hopefully do justice to the Cypress Avenue stage. Um, but while we're working on that, we've like done a load of stuff with like animated posters, social media. Um, I'm working on some very heady concept for interactive live visuals that may or may not actually make it to the final show. Um, we've got all this kind of stuff going on. But like, more importantly, like we just kind of figured out, like there was a, like Neil, for instance, one of our designers who worked on the animated posters. Like it was an opportunity for him to learn this brand new skill, and it looked incredible. Like we were actually all gobsmacked when we actually saw the first examples of that work. Um, and equally, like uh, Matthew really stepped into his own, working with the Cypress Avenue team to like organize a date, make sure that everyone's actually free to play on that night, all that. He played an absolute blinder, stepping into more of a managerial role with that. It's a huge uh, so stage to be really, on. we like, learning a lot about ourselves and rising to the challenge of the Cypress Avenue gig. But, like, again, I really don't want for us to be seen as, like, step skippers or that we're doing this huge thing without doing our time in the local scene first. Mm. Like, I would love to put on many 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 more smaller shows once this uh, challenge is done like one-off spots in like the roundy or in uh threads looking at like again what people like teletext are doing what people like even angry mom collective are doing at the moment actually they've got a little exhibition coming up this week mm -hmm. which i'm actually going to talk now um thursday at seven o'clock in the Friary, Angry Mom Collective, showcasing arts by Alex Paradisi, Emer Kiley, and Martha Lyons. Um, 
check that. You're well on top of your but skips. Yeah, You've more of that than I have. Back on the topic of how to, <laughs> um, no, not a bother. Come here, though. Right, two questions kind of come to mind, and I'll get around to my, my earlier question in a little bit because taking that amount of information in on what you're doing and the vision and drive that's necessary to execute it, I'm bowled over by it. But it's also been something that kind of a lot of us have seen in what you've been doing from the very beginning. You've built your own infrastructure and now you're expanding upon it. Talk to us a little bit about the collaborative process with Cypress Avenue and with their kind of established position in Cork's music industry and all of the experience that they can lend uh, to this project. Talk to us a little bit about that yeah. process. Yeah, so it was um, it was Katie Cosgrave uh, who worked at Cypress Avenue who reached out to us. Uh, sadly, she's actually not even going to be in Cork um, by the time we put the gig on. But she reached out to us because she saw a lot of the work that we were doing. We were lucky enough to have... Um, Arthur Valentine be the support act for Circa Richardson and Cypress Avenue. So, like we've seen the stage before, we've worked with uh, them on a smaller project. They reached out to us and we were able to come to them and say, like, we'll pick a price, we'll try and find a date that works for everyone, and we'll, like, try and keep everything together. And they did all the work on setting up the social media and the event pages and payments and all of that uh, while we focused in on like designing graphics, designing um, social media stuff, working with them on like the act order and so on. We kind of floated around the idea of doing an all night long thing with DJ sets afterwards but uh, we decided not to do that because Friday morning Everyone's going to be bossed out either all together now or independence, so we don't want to tire out our audience. Mm. Um, but yeah, like they've they were really great um, for coming to us with the idea. We kind of banded together, we set ourselves some roles, we put the whole thing together at a pace, and we're I think we're really glad to see it come together. But like I said, I'd love for us then after that gig to step back and return to smaller projects as well and kind of just get everyone playing a bit more regularly uh, our first time doing this we actually um, we reached out to Pop Duggins in Ennis Diamond County Clare a long time ago to do our first showcase gig yeah. which was hilarious because everyone who I saw there who I talked to in the crowd all like were dragged up from Cork by some poor soul performing but um from what it was worth, like that was a really, I think we lost money, we lost uh, time, we spent a whole lot on petrol to get to and from there. But what we gained from that was we got footage, we got proof that we could put on an event of the size and scale, we could do something ambitious, we could do something that had tough design, that had tough, um, like, uh, logistic elements going into it. Like, we had to plan out or like travel accommodation, getting people on board to help us move there. But uh, it proved that we could do it. And we then, like, we want to use the Cypress Avenue event. We want to use what we did with Pop Dobbins to, like, hopefully demonstrate to other people, even demonstrate to festivals and, like, other large scale events that we can do something that fits in with them that's also like uniquely how to that's uniquely us that has our sense of design has our sense of scale has our like music behind us 
so hopefully we'll see a bit more of that. Really quickly, also, before we go back to some more tunes, you're also doing that solo showcase that you mentioned at Mallow Arts. And coming from Don Garvin yourself and kind of being familiar with the displacement of arts and culture from smaller towns or from commuter towns to major cities, maybe talk to us a little bit about the importance of something like this for yourself as a curator um, and, and also kind of what you wish for Housu to kind of bring to the table to these kind of, you know, these, these family-friendly weekend festivals. Yeah, what I'll say is that, like, Dunmanway, as I said, was somewhere that was, like, very isolated. My way of interacting with art was often, like, to do with the internet. But I love rural spaces and the unique atmosphere that they bring in terms of what they mean for live music, what they mean for, like, putting on something that feels disconnected from the harsh urban environment. Um... Living near Dunmanway, like, I think the real, again, the shining light on the hill was Connolly's of Lep. The first time I went to a gig in Connolly's, the first time I saw what Sam Nichols put together out there, I was absolutely floored by it. It was such a wonderful, like, synthesis of the beauty of the local environment and the just quality and the level of curation that went into the music there. Uh, the Barras and Clonakilty, another fantastic example of that. And I feel like the more towns and the more small, like even like little villages like Lep, that embrace like working with good local talent, to embrace bringing something like that into their community. I think it stands to inspire a lot of people. I think it will do something wonderful. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's hugely important, and I hope that our little like solo sessions events there uh, bring something special to that crowd. We'll just have to see. Speaking of people inspiring others, we're going to go back to some more tunes from the Cork community. You have chosen Elaine Malone's uh, No Blood single. Sorry, three, two. You've chosen Elaine Malone with No Blood, taken from her Land EP. Yeah, that's right. I, I think Elaine Malone is a very special artist. I was very lucky to see her for the first time actually in Dublin. I went to this gig that had like an enormously Cork lineup in Dublin for the night. It was Yankee with support from her and someone else I've unfortunately forgotten, but they were all incredible. I think that she's just such a very special live performer. I think No Blood is a very important song too, and it spoke to um, like the political environment of Ireland around the time of repealing the eighth. I think it speaks to this like really tenacious feeling that I associate with Irish music. Um, I also would like really recommend being around Cork. If Elaine Malone's ever playing, which she is often, go see her. Also, look out for her more experimental projects. Mantua, she's performed a couple of times around Cork, which is like very harmonium focused. It's beautiful. I loved seeing that. I think that she's just an extremely talented artist, and I would love to do anything I can to support her. You also have O Emperor with effort. O Emperor's Jason is a very important record to me. And also, just the lads are so lovely. I've told, like, an anecdote about, like, one of the ways they've tried to help me by, like, giving me their pass to go to, like, industry events at the Choice Music Prize. I told that story on the Madfield podcast. That's another shameless plug. But unfortunately, I didn't get to go. But again, like, there's just there's something really important about those lads. I remember the first time I saw them play was, like, at a UCC Open Day. And it, it was, like, such a weird place for them to be it was like just them playing in the middle of the amphitheater to a crowd of disinterested transition year students 
and then like not only later did I get to know a couple of them through like what we were doing with Haosu but also just get to see their massive success with Jason such a monumental record something that's so unlike anything else that's been made in Ireland and then you know the Choice Music Prize and that like cherry on top for the whole thing it's a shame to see them go but they really went out at their best effort they really really did and we'll hear from Emperor momentarily but, but first this is Elaine Malone with No Blood here on Red On Red
O Emperor with effort here on Red on Red. And just before we head away for the week, uh, Colm, like, again, it cannot be overstated how busy House Rule Records is over the coming couple of weeks between live appearances at Mallow Arts Festival, at Cypress Avenue, and with the upcoming wave of single releases. But um, maybe let us in a little bit on what you're looking at for the future ahead of the summer campaign. Yeah, absolutely. I'd love to I'd love to see us doing a bit more to connect with the local scene. And I'd love for that live campaign to not stop at Cyprus, but continue with us doing more support slots, being more active members of the local community and working with the fantastic set of artists that we surround ourselves with. That can't be overstated. We don't have any concrete plans there, but we're talking to people across the board. We're talking about doing a... Cork Dublin exchange series with a Dublin based label that we really admire. Uh, we're looking at like involving ourselves more with the fantastic small venues like the Roundy that we see around. Uh, we'd love to like make sure that every time we do a release going forward it's tethered to a gig and that's something that matters for the local community and not us just screaming into the void about new singles on Twitter. Uh, all those are going to be happening. I also will say that we're thinking of expanding the community and getting a few people involved in Hausu and working with more artists. Uh, we'll see how that goes, but it's something that hopefully we'll be a bit open to. So yeah, I, I want us to be more focused but and like a little quieter about social media, but still more involved with our community. Um, I think that we're going to like release music less frequently but with more purpose behind every release. Uh, hopefully we'll have that actual asset project, Boredom's 400. Hopefully we'll have Automatic Blues, Junkie P this year. Hopefully we'll have additional singles from Mothra and Arthur Valentine coming out. But like beyond those, we just want to take the time to like focus and record like something truly special between the different projects. Try and get like our best efforts out into the world. I think we've kind of helped establish ourselves now and a lot of the groundwork is like starting to finish up. Now it's just about making really good music. In the meantime, where can Houseu Records be found across social media? So that's Houseu Records on every social platform. Uh, it's houseurecords.com is the website. Uh, Houseu Spotlight, search for that on Spotify and you'll see like a playlist of our best songs, our key singles, like little gems that are scattered through our catalogue. And yeah, uh, all of our music is available wherever you get your music. Um, and then, of course, uh, August 1st, Cypress Avenue gig, houseyrecords.com slash tickets. Early bird tickets are a fiver for that. It's worth it. Uh, this Mallow Arts Festival gig, that's free in. You can find the details about that on our social media. And as for our singles, we'll obviously be active online when we release them. So get in touch with us on social media. Keep an eye out for what we're doing. Savage. That's all for this week's episode of Red on Red, Cork's new music podcast from Red FM and RedExtra.ie. Thank you very much to Colm Cahalan of Houseu Records for joining us this episode. And thanks for having me. As always, it's it's great to do things like this and I hope to be back again 
and thank you very much for listening. If you like what you're hearing, please take the time to subscribe and leave a review on Apple and Google Podcasts. Subscribe to us on Spotify and find us on all your podcasting platforms. Every listen, every positive review, every share on social media helps us spread the word of DIY music in Cork City. Please share this on your socials and please make sure to check out the artists featured online or at an upcoming gig. And if you'd like more Irish tunes, please be sure to listen into Green on Red on Sunday nights with Alan O'Donovan for the best of all that is Irish on Cork's Red FM 104 to 106. Cullum, you're leaving us with Talos with a tune from his most recent record, 209. Yeah, uh, Talos and the next band that I'm playing after that, Young Wonder, those are both hugely special to me. What Brendan Canty did with Feel Good Lost, it can't be enough. It's the blueprint for House Zoo. They put together such, like, polished, such high-quality music um, and something that I would listen to throughout, like, my secondary school years and through college and what led to a lot of the very special gigs that I went to in college, I would say, like these two bands kind of sum up a like moment in Cork history for me and it just felt really great to watch those bands grow and evolve and reach the heights that they got to um, so yeah 209 by Talos it's uh, I think one of his most beautiful songs I also like just like how it attacks some like ideas of, transi- of traditional masculinity and kind of offers a hopeful message for us all and Young Wonder with Intergalactic is just, it's just sheer bliss in a tune. I've always loved it, and I would love to see those guys get back together at some point. <laughs> a double dose of Cork Ingenue to round off the show. This is Talos with 209 and Young Wonder with Intergalactic. This has been Red on Red, and we'll talk to you next week. Men on a fire